And welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio today with Eli McCann and Nick Morley. Hey guys. Good morning. Good morning. How's your week in pop culture been? What have you been watching? <sighs> Fantastic. Really? Yeah, for many reasons. The Connors is back. Oh. Well, the Connors began. Thank goodness. Uh, why are you so resistant to this? I, because it's a show that I, I'm like vaguely aware of. <laughs> so as if anybody was following the world this year, then you know that Roseanne got a reboot earlier this year. And then Roseanne, poor lady, just uh, self-destruction. Just... I, I, do, I don't have a ton of... <laughs> Sympathy for Roseanne. Oh, she just uh, she's just she's self-destructive, and so uh, she tweeted and got the show canceled. But then all the rest of the people on the show were like, "Hey, we would still do this without her." And Roseanne apparently was cool with that and signed away her rights or something. I don't know, legal mumbo jumbo. And now, <laughs> side note: you're a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> You should not take any kind of legal advice from Hivemind. We should have like that warning up front. No legal advice on Hivemind. So then The Connors is now the new show, and it is just exactly Roseanne without Roseanne. So it's so good. An improvement. It is. It really is, because I was thinking about it like, I'm not like a huge fan of, of 90s Roseanne, but I liked it okay, and I'll catch reruns here and there. My least favorite part about Roseanne is the character Roseanne. Like, right. I like all the other people much better. Aunt Jackie, I mean, she's like a national treasure. Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf is a national treasure. Yeah. Anyway, so the new season started. We're one episode in. It actually got really good reviews. I watched it. It was very sad because the premise of this new show is that Roseanne has died. Mm -hmm. And the family, episode one, is all kind of dealing with the fact that the matriarch of the family has gone away. But it's actually really well written. It was funny and sad. I would recommend it to anyone. Okay, and that's hmm. on ABC. Yeah, it's on ABC. And there is it is filmed in front of a live studio audience, which I think is some of your resistance. I think it is. I think you're right. Anything else you've been watching? So I am in it on one of the soap operas that's on at noon every day, and I don't know which one it is, but I go to the gym during the lunch hour. Sure, yeah. And I run on the treadmill, and every day there's this one soap opera <laughs> that's on. I can't hear what's going on, so I'm not totally sure what the plot is. Yeah. But I'm following it just enough, yeah. and there's some kind of like weird love triangle going on with these three teenage kids that are like the kids of like the main characters of the soap opera. Yes, I'm pretty sure that one of them is terminally ill. Oh no! And then the other two are pretending to be in a relationship so that he won't want to be in a relationship with one of them, and it has something to do with his terminal illness. I am in it. <laughs> I've been planning my runs so that I'm at the gym during this soap opera. I don't know which one it is, but it's like... Do you think if you had access to the audio or chose to listen to the soap opera, you would enjoy the experience more or less? Uh, less. Yeah. I have no interest in the audio. Uh, yeah. I just like watching it and trying to guess what's happening. I like that. And Making a Murder Season 2 is out on Netflix. Oh, it's out? It's, I didn't think it was. Yeah, it, okay. they, it dropped on, I think, Sunday, and I'm three episodes in it. And I and think it, we're going to talk about that in a future episode. We're gonna, so everybody who's listening to this, watch it yeah. to prepare to have a fight with us about making a murder because season two. a fight is sure to ensue. I will say I was very hesitant to watch it because I was like, oh, this is just going to be 
you know, like how when Serial had a season two and it was really stupid. Yeah, I made it like two episodes and then I was like, same, zero percent interested. I was worried it was going to be that kind of situation. I'm three episodes in, and so far I'm eating it up. Good. It's really interesting. Okay. So is the dreamy defense lawyer back? Dean Strang. Yeah. He pops in periodically. Okay. This season is focused on the post-conviction issues, and so they've hired post-conviction attorneys who are going back over the trial and trying to find mistakes that the defense attorneys did. Mm. And it's really interesting. And I think the focus of season one was sort of the procedural failings and how the system was corrupt and blah, blah, blah. Season two seems to be focused on a really, really thorough investigation with unlimited resources so that they can find out did they do it or not? Gotcha. It's like based cool. on they're trying to figure out whether they actually did the crime. So it's fascinating. Very hmm. cool. Nick, nice. what have you been watching? I did not finish the Phantom Thread. <laughs> Were you going to try? <laughs> I was going to. No. And then I opted out of it. I'll never know what happened. I already told you. How I think we told you exactly <laughs> what happens. It's not a lot. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, but I decided to rewatch a show and I'm like eight episodes in. Last year, Mindhunter came out, mm. David Fincher's. Decided to watch it again, it being October. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a spooky show. And what I like most about it is that it feels like it's a violent show, but it doesn't show any violence. It's a show about murders, but it doesn't show any murders. It just, like, the creepy interviews and the way that it's filmed, and it's really dark and sharp, just like any other David Fincher movie is. And the camera work's amazing. I'm happy I'm rewatching it. It's a good October rewatch, I guess. Like violence innuendo. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The Ringer did this great parody of Mindhunter. Oh, the Take Hunter? The Take yeah. Hunter. Where who does he say is better than Michael Jordan, like Scottie Pippen? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the tall guy with that great voice. Look up Take Hunter. If you've seen yeah. Mindhunter, if you know anything about the NBA, look up Take Hunter. Yeah. And the second thing I've been watching is Jack Ryan. Oh, what, what do you think? Um, I was a little bit hesitant just because it seems like I feel like they've overdone American Operative goes to yeah, yeah, yeah. the Middle East. Homeland. Homeland, Home 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's really well done. I've been pretty impressed with John Krasinski so far. Didn't really sure where his career was going to be going at this point. I mm. uh, feel like he would have been typecast the rest of his career thanks to the legendary Jim Halpert. But mm-hmm. only two episodes in so far, but I'm going to keep going. It's good. Awesome. Yeah. So Netflix released a show last week or the week before called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. I love cooking shows. I will watch any cooking show. For a while, I was really into Chef's Table, which is beautiful and it follows like the world's most renowned chefs. But I started to get super annoyed with these chefs who genuinely believe the work they are doing is the most important work. The work of God. In the world. (laughs) A little pretentious. But people, once you get to that level of any career, people think that they're doing the work okay, of Okay, but like, if you're curing cancer, sure, mm-hmm. you get all my respect. If you're cooking trout, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> have some perspective. And they'll be like, I had to leave my wife and child in pursuit of the perfect salt. And it's like, no, you did not. <laughs> you did not have to do that. You're just a cook. Like, you're working with stuff from the grocery store. Take it down a notch. So like Chef's Table, I was kind of over it after a while. But this show is just a woman who loves food. Okay. And she just wants to figure out what makes food taste good. And it turns out it's four things. It's salt, (laughs) acid, fat, and heat. 
Huh. And she explores these different things in different parts of the world. She goes to Mexico. She goes to Japan. She goes to Italy. And then she cooks a meal in Berkeley and shows you how to, like, combine everything. Wow. And make it delicious. And she's delightful. She's not leaving her family for this? She's not. <laughs> in pursuit of the perfect chocolate. <laughs> I had to go to Israel. Um but she's just like super approachable. She like takes you through like here's how you buy produce, here's how you buy meat, but it's still beautiful. She's still talking to people who really know what they're talking about, are really good at what they're doing. It's only four episodes. She's delightful. It's delightful. How I long are the episodes? Like forty minutes. Oh, cool. Mm. Yeah. So just a good like I just need to take a break for a minute. It's a good show to just kind of sit and watch for a minute. So I've really been enjoying that. And of course we're rewatching Veep. Mm-hmm. Which is just so good. Mm-hmm. It's every episode is laugh out loud. The other night we watched the episode that has my favorite joke of the whole series. She is supposed to be in a meeting where they are going to execute a plan to free some hostages in the Middle East or mm-hmm. Korea or you know one of those troubled places. Uh-huh. And due to a scheduling conflict, she has to swear in a bunch of senators, which she obviously does not want to be swearing in these senators. And so she has to rush through small talk oh, with yeah. each of them. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, she meets a senator's daughter, and the senator's daughter says, Hi, I'm Ruby. And she says, Ruby, I wish I had a cousin named Ruby. It's <laughs> 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 just... She's, most, like, not even thinking about yeah, what she's saying. She's just her mind is somewhere else. I love her so much. She's so good. You know, my favorite scene from that entire series is the scene where her mom dies. Yes. I've watched that scene probably a hundred times because it is, everyone in it is brilliant. It's and so dark. She's got, yeah, she's got like this very complicated relationship with her mom who by all accounts was just this awful woman. And she's an awful woman herself and she's president of the United States and she's at the hospital and also at the same time the election count is happening in Nevada and so she's getting all this sort of updates about that and so there's a lot going on in the room and they go to pull the plug on the mom and she's like it, actually every once in a while in that show she'll like show some real human emotion yeah and you can tell she's actually kind of sad about it but right then they get the news that the count has gone in her favor in Nevada and so she's doing this weird <laughs> celebration as the mom's <laughs> plug is being pulled and all of her staff is kind of awkwardly celebrating <laughs> and the doctor's like doing it even if you're not a fan of the show I recommend just finding that clip and watching it because it is like a pretty good showcase of what kind of writing is involved and she forgets to tell Catherine they're going to do it. Oh, she, forgets <laughs> she forgets to tell her daughter that they're pulling the plug. So Catherine comes back into the room after it's over. And she's like, honey, oh, I'm sorry. We forgot to tell you. But mommy <laughs> won the matter. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my gosh. It is brilliant. That show should win every award ever. And it does. It, it does. does win every award. And it deserves it. Because it's so good. Uh, she's so, so good. good. I think this next season is their final season. Final season. It is. Which, I mean, it's. The natural. It's running its course. Yeah, I think. And, you know, she had breast cancer, which mm-hmm. was super tragic, but she's recovered. And so I feel like it will be a big triumph this final season. So they skipped a year. We didn't have a season this last year, which is why she wasn't nominated for an Emmy because she yeah. wasn't eligible. Was it because of the breast cancer? Or do you know why? I actually don't know. What the delay was in production? I would assume that yeah. the cancer was part of it. Okay. And also maybe they just needed more writing time. Yeah. Because a few of the writers have switched out. Okay. Speaking of writers, we today are going to talk about one of the most smartly written 
<laughs> intelligent intelligent shows written <laughs> shows currently on television nbc's the good place network television network television stepping it up mm-hmm. i feel like of all the networks nbc chooses the wackiest mm-hmm. and most enjoyable i think a lot of that is because they've put their money on mike shore who mm. really only makes delightful television mm-hmm. so i think today we're going to go ahead and talk about everything that's happened up to this point so if you have not watched the show stop listening and go watch it because you won't be sorry and come back in a week when you've polished it off yeah that's all it's going to take you i would start this by saying that probably the three of us in this room are constantly in search for the next 30 rock yeah yes and this show has come the closest on network television that i have found since 30 rock ended to having the kind of quality writing on a network comedy and it's the kind of show where if you pause any scene, you're going to find funny things. Yeah. Everything in the background is funny. They take a lot of time to make every detail of this thing funny and thought-provoking. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Eleanor Shellstrop, played by Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell. Who is delightful. She's so good. Great. I don't know why I was never a, really that aware of her until this. I like had seen her kind of in interviews and things. But I want her to be in everything now. This is the first role, I feel like, that does her like a lot of justice. Mm. Her character in Parks and Rec was really funny, but no one had given her a super funny role until this. I Who was like. she in Parks and Rec? She was from Eagleton, yeah, right? She, she replaced was... Leslie Nope as the... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So she's dead. She goes to what she believes is heaven, and she believes she's there by mistake. She meets her quote-unquote soulmate, Cheaty. And their next door neighbors. I can only Tahani? think of that. Tahani and Jason. Yeah. Except Jason, they think, is Jianyu, who they think is a, a, a Buddhist monk. monk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, he's from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor quickly realizes she doesn't belong there. She's not as good as these people. Because she was a very selfish person on Earth. She calls like, herself an Arizona trash bag. <laughs> a comically selfish human being. And they, they have wonderful flashbacks throughout yeah. the show of her life on Earth and just how much of a trash human she was. And just, like, unbelievable. But, like, not, like... Sort of this, a relatable trash human. Yeah, like, yeah. things we all kind of want to do. She's a, she's a Liz Lemon, honestly, from 30 yeah. Rock. <laughs> but like a little more despicable yeah. goes to a Rihanna concert when she's supposed to be dog sitting and so just leaves the food out for the dog and the dog gains like a ton of weight just like stuff like that not murdering people bad but also just like she, a bad person she does, she does something to her roommate what is the thing she does to her roommate with oh, the, that's dress. Like a dress, the dress and right? then they make a t-shirt about the dress that they sell and so she's making fun of her roommate and making money on it it's like they've come up like the, the super complicated story behind okay. it, which is impressive yeah. for the writers. Anyway, we got a lot to get through. So it turns out she's like, I don't belong here. And then it's like, oh, but guess what? None of them belong here because the good place is the bad place. Mm-hmm. Which was a huge, huge twist. Reveal. And I don't know about you guys, but I did not see coming, which yeah. I thought was super clever for the type of show that it was. Mm-hmm. And the show kind of took a weird turn after that, but mm-hmm. I liked the turn that it went. Yeah. Yeah. So season two is all about them trying to figure out how they can get to the good place with the help of the demon who was initially meant to torture them, played by Ted Danson. And Ted Danson, demon, his original idea for torturing them was to put them in a place that looked like the good place and let them just sort of suffer in this 
Insecurity. In, right. Insecurity that they don't belong there for yeah. all eternity. That they're never going to add up. But now that they've figured it out and he's kind of grown attached to them, he feels like there's some good in them. And so he's trying to figure out if there's an eternal rules loophole that he can exploit to get them into the good place, even though their test period on Earth is done. Yeah. So. And I will say there were episodes of season two where I was like, I don't know if they know what they're doing mm-hmm. here. There were a few episodes where I was like, they are buying yeah. time. Until they figure out what the plot's going to be. Until the end of the season when they bring in Maya Rudolph mm. as the eternal judge, who mm-hmm. is my eternal judge. So personally. good. Yeah. She is so funny uh-huh. in that role and so good at playing that character that mm-hmm. it totally redeemed any flaws the rest of the season had. <laughs> so they work together and decide that, okay, let's send them back to Earth and see how they do. Let's pretty much give them a second chance. So season three, where we are now. They've come back to Earth. Ted Danson and his robot, not robot, Janet. have Janet. Janet's great. Mm-hmm. Played by Darcy Carden. Have kind of manipulated the group to get together to help each other benefit. Until they find Michael and Janet trying to get back to, it's not heaven, it's the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And so there's this door and they're like, what the fork is going on mm-hmm. and they have to sit down and explain everything to him and explain that because now they know what's happening they're doomed because mm-hmm. their motivations will never be pure and that's where we are mm-hmm. and i love it mm-hmm. i think that it poses so many interesting questions this last episode especially because i've been raised in a religious background and i'm a religious person and sometimes i'm like does that count like am i a good person Am I trying to be a good person because I've been told there's a reward if I'm a good person? If there wasn't a carrot at the end of the stick, would I be a good person? And there's a constant debate in the show about what a good person is anyway. Yeah. So, for example, one of the four main characters is an ethical professor on Earth. And by all accounts, if you ran into this person, you would think this is an honest, you know, trustworthy person. He's a good person. But he is sent by the demons to the bad place at the beginning of the show because he's so indecisive that he has driven people crazy throughout his life through his indecisiveness. Right. And in the show, it's they're sort of having this constant conversation about, oh, does that make you a bad person? Well, you've greatly inconvenienced other people. So maybe that does make you a bad person, even though you're honest and you try to you know, help other people and you have good motivations or intentions. And I think that's one of the most interesting parts about the show is it's it's sort of an ongoing conversation about all of these characters and are they good or are they bad and what is good and bad in the first place. And they're all super lovable, but like Tahani gave away millions of dollars to be seen as giving away millions right. of dollars. Yeah. And does that counteract so the she's, act. she's making a positive difference in the world, but she's doing it because she wants attention. Selfish motivation. Yeah. It's fascinating. So I've been listening to the Good Place podcast, which is... Of course I, you have. I recognize as a level of nerddom that like <laughs> some people might not be comfortable with. But each episode, they bring in a writer, an actor, and then like some random set design or graphics or whatever. And they talk about the making of every episode. And Mike Shore, before he made this show, he was the first interview, he sat down and read a ton of moral philosophy. Mm. And he consulted with a bunch of moral philosophers and set out to write a network television sitcom about moral philosophy. Which is mind-blowing. But there's a definite through line of the whole series so far where you're like, 
I don't really know the answers, and it's fun that they're exploring this. Mm-hmm. So it's a super enjoyable show. Mm-hmm. I think it's super well cast. It's a beautiful show. Are we concerned that they might not know where they're going? Yes. Yeah, a little. Constantly. Constantly, but they're good enough at packing jokes into every line that on some level it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. I'd like to see a good story arc, but the show is enjoyable just in a vacuum anyway. Each episode, you can watch it and enjoy Maya Rudolph talking about what she's doing with her eternity time. <laughs> and uh, She couldn't make it through the, the Vietnam, Vietnam series. <laughs> just trying to get through the Vietnam she, series. She has all of eternity, and she's like, man, that thing is long. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite gags of the season this year was the judge explaining to Michael and Janet the things that happened since they went back and the the riffs. You know that P.T. Barnum movie made like $400 million (laughs) and the Jacksonville Jaguars are good now? (laughs) It's just so smart and Uh they're really keeping up with everything. England left Europe? (laughs) (laughs) I sent you guys back and it caused all these riffs. You wouldn't believe the consequences. England left Europe and they're like, no. (laughs) But what's great are the characters are what we talked about before, it's super relatable. These people aren't, they're not murderers. They're yeah. not tax evaders or anything like that. They just caused harm to other people with minor inconveniences, mm-hmm. and it was enough to get them into hell. Yeah. Like, so it kind of makes you think, am I going to hell? Because mm. I don't love doing like, <laughs> tons of things for other people. Left like, to my own devices, <laughs> I'm pretty selfish. <laughs> Wait oh, a second. I think my favorite part of the whole show is the in-between place. Yes. So there's, oh. there's the good place and then the bad place, which we haven't really seen what the bad, they just allude. Mindy St. Clair. The, the coke addict. Mindy St. Clair, she was the one person on earth who was exactly in the middle. And so they're like, she doesn't go to the bad place or the good place because she was a civil rights attorney who was a coke addict or something. She was something So she's very... a coke addict and she's like a high power attorney and she's screwing people all the time. Just a terrible oh, kind yeah. of lawyer. But, but she then does... she decides one night she's super hopped up on coke and she decides... <laughs> That she's going to start this charity for purify water for children in Africa. And she actually sets it up. And then she gets hit by like a subway. And so she And ends she dies. At an exact, <laughs> exact midpoint. And so they have to create an exact middle place for her that's neither a nice place to be or a terrible place to be. And it is basically. In the desert in 1995. Oh my gosh, and her clothes. She has on like this power suit that has shoulder pads and it's forest green. But she's naked when they meet her. She's naked, but when she gets dressed. Right. She has the shoulder pads and she has a TV with a VCR and one video, like VHS (laughs) tape that, what is, is it porn or? No, it's not porn. She's like like Fatal Attraction or something. It's a sequel to Fatal Attraction. So it's not very good. It's like a crappy <laughs> sequel to a 90s movie. That's one of the best and segments of the show. It is so good. And she's yeah. just really bored, but she's not miserable. <laughs> she's like, do you have Coke? She's not, Man, I, mean, I can like, really go for some Coke. Every, every time she interacts with them, she slips in that she's looking for Coke. <laughs> it is the best part. of. The, I wish that there would be a spinoff of Just Called the Middle Place. Right? I would watch that. Uh, yeah, and she returns because they go back to the middle place. A number of times in a number of reboots, and she's always great. I'm kind of interested to see where they go from here, because the end of last episode, they say, well, we're going to go to hell, but why don't we just at least try to be good people? Mm -hmm. 
what's the harm in trying? And mm. so, I don't know. What do you do? Where do you go from there? I don't know. I kind of miss them being in the afterlife. I kind of missed all the zany stuff that yeah. was happening down there. So I kind of want them to go back, if that's possible. It'll be interesting know. to see if they ever end up in the actual good place, because we still have not seen the good place. Right. right. I keep forgetting that when I watch the show, because they weren't in the real good place before. Yeah. They are doing a really good job of making Earth a fantastical Earth because they're in Australia. And you can tell it's written by a bunch of Americans who like have like a very baseline knowledge of yeah. Australia. <laughs> yeah. The bar that they go to is amazing. The American-themed the American bar. <laughs> and they walk in, they hand them a gun or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, the uh, what's that thing where... They're like, you can just take a table. You can just kick people out. Yeah. It's the, what's the name of that? <laughs> Emancipate. Wow, emanci- oh, yeah. Emancipate. Yeah. No, the, whatever. But we like really did that. Yeah. In territories. We're like, oh, oh. like Trail of Tears. Yeah, yeah. get out. Yeah. You're yeah. done. The bar that she goes to is called Drinking Nemo. The grocery store she goes to is, uh, <laughs> I think, Shopping Nemo. Mm-hmm. The idea that they love Finding Nemo because <laughs> it was in Australia. <laughs> And there's all these names. There's uh, Nicole Mankid and Gail Mibson. They've like taken all these famous Australian people and played with the characters. So that part of it's entertaining. Yeah. I agree. It's not as hilarious yeah. as the set of the actual Good Place was, but it's still really fun to watch. Yeah. And a show I think we all recommend. It's a show I would recommend to anyone, to absolutely yes. anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps that it's on network TV. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of questionable content. It's not even trashy, even for network TV. No. It's not trashy. Yeah. So. And I don't think you have to suffer through the first few episodes either. No. Like, I think it starts off really well. It starts off well. so weird yeah. that it's, you're like, yeah, what? It's enough to hook you in and keep you there. And yeah. that's what I really loved about it. Yeah. It, it's the show that we need. I don't think we deserve it, but we need it. Mm-hmm. And it's making our lives better. So check out The Good Place. Next week, we will be discussing our favorite horror these are for a Halloween episode. So come ready to listen to spooky content. I don't really like horror movies. I don't know if I'm going to have that much to add. Uh, remember to give us good ratings on your preferred podcast listening platform. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next week. All right.